Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders, and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets, where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the power of the word. Thank you, Father, for all of these situations that we find in the, in the Old Testament that we study, uh, that we can learn from and grow from and see, the, see how you interacted with them. And Father, help us to learn this, this evening how to, how to interact again. Father, bless us as we study. Bless us as we go through our lives. We pray for those, Father, that will be watching, uh, that you would inspire them, lift them up, and that something that will be said will touch their hearts in a very special way. We thank you, Father, for them and continue to bless their families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 12. 12. Mm -hmm. Numbers chapter 12. We're and flipping right along, aren't we? We spent right. three weeks in 11. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the hits are going to keep on coming. So, you know, the story has been they've entered back into the presence of God in Leviticus mm -hmm. through the Day of Atonement. And now we're on the other side of this mountain, and the expectation is obedience. And so, of course, what we're going to see Israel has seen their God. They've watched him work in a mighty way. He has told them, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do these things. So, of course, Israel is going to obey God. Mm -hmm. No, no, they're not going to obey God. They're not going to do anything they're supposed to be doing. They're going to constantly, even though they have the law, even though God is literally leading them by the hand into the promised land, they're going to consistently rebel. They're going to consistently fall. They're going to consistently mess this up. And that's really the story of the law. God says, here, here it is, do this, and people go, no, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at, and that's just going to continue. So we've already finished one rebellion where the people said, no, we don't want to eat the bread you're providing, God. We don't want that. We want quail, right? And so those No, he people, said, we want meat to eat. Yeah, they, we want meat. Yeah. You're right. God provided them quail. While they were eating the quail, God killed them, yep. right? So rebellion against God is not a good idea. Now, some people might get upset at that. Oh, well, all they wanted was something else to eat. Okay, hold on well, here. Hold know, on. I think, you know, I mean, we've talked about this before. Romans chapter 15 says that things written for time are written for our learning. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to learn from this. Okay. Yeah. Let's take the, the idea of rebellion because that's what they're doing. That's right. Mar Miriam and Aaron are going to rebel mm -hmm. against Moses. And God's going to have, he's done. And, uh, and I watch our society today, and they are, there are people out there that are in direct opposition to God in just about every facet of their life. And this is not a little part of society. This is a major part of society. Sure. They're killing unborn children. Mm -hmm. You know, their preachers are standing in pulpits and demanding money from these people for God to do anything in their lives. 
That's you know, right. yeah. we look at people that are that are in a in a social structure, and they believe that God's going to love them just because they do whatever they want to do, and it makes them happy. If this is not blatant out and out rebellion of God, I don't know what is. So you're right, but you've mixed two groups there, right? Uh, you, you talked about the world. The world is always in rebellion against mm-hmm. God, right? God is the lawful ruler of the world. He is its creator. He's its provider. Mm-hmm. He's everything. He is life. He creates mm-hmm. the world in which life can flourish. That's God from the scriptures in the Old Testament. So the world is fallen, is has rejected him, and they're in constant rebellion. But one of the groups you talked about there, right, these are the people, not always, sometimes you have Christians doing abortions like they shouldn't and, you know, doing things like that. But for the most part, it's the world that's asserting abortions. It's the world that's asserting, you know, these, these horrible activities, sexual morality, things like that. But one of the groups you had in there was preachers. You said no, no, these, no, no. no. These, are, these are specific people mm-hmm. that I believe are of the world. Okay. So they then, are in the world. Okay. So then they're not. And they're worse. So they're not really in the church. They're in the no, world. So, um, so you have two different when, groups. When you have a, when you have a group, a, a, a large group of people who believe because they've been taught, they don't, buy, they don't listen to the book. They believe that if they give enough money, they can create anything in their life they want to, they want to create. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1. Sure. That they are a God enough within themselves where they can create. That's worse than people in out-and-out rebellion that are in the world. I expect them to be there. I expect that. I don't expect someone who's supposed to be a godly individual, professes godliness, and then then tells people in in major way, I mean, in in over major internet access, major, uh, you know, churches, and say that, oh, if you want money, if you want to create a, a good thing in your life, then give me enough money. Right. So the rebellion we're looking at in numbers is mm-hmm. not the world. No. It's the people of God. It is it, the people of God. And, and we, we cannot forget that. These people made a covenant with this God. Mm-hmm. It was their choice. They really entered into this covenant. They could have said no. They and, got and, to Mount Sinai and God said, hey, and that And that might be some of maybe we have maybe watching. Maybe somebody has rebelled against God mm-hmm. and gone back into the far country. And and that this would be very applicable to that individual, right? So so that's what makes this rebellion so horrible. It's not that this is the world that's always in rebellion to God. These are supposed to be the people of God. These yeah. are people who've entered into covenant relationship with God. They've entered into a contractual agreement. So with how do God. we how do how do people stay out of out of that situation? How do they do that? What what do we have to do to to make sure that if somebody's watching and they and they feel that. What do we have to do to stay out? Well, what we're learning so far, Mm -hmm. right, we're learning what not to do, Yeah. right? And what we shouldn't do, right, is continue in our selfish desires, because that's what they did, Yeah. right? They They had selfish desire for, they said, said, hey, right, it's about what I want. And I'm going, not only is it about what I want, because God wants to know the Mm -hmm. things that we want. Mm -hmm. God's, God is about that. He's, hey, bring me the things that you want. They're not doing that. They're not coming to God and going, God, you're amazing. You're awesome. You've done all these wonderful things. You know, we'd really like some quail. Could you please provide that? That's not what's going on. What's going on is, you know, I'm tired of this stuff that you are giving me. And you know what? You're actually a bad God because you're not giving me, you're just not giving me things I want. 
So there's but no. Isn't, isn't that where people have to get to be in rebellion? They have to get to a point where the one that they're that they're rebelling against has 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 turned on them or is no good anymore. I would say that's exactly how rebellion always works in the church for for God's people. I right? think that's how it always works everywhere. Right. Well, but it but there is a difference when you are in covenant relationship. Yes, you're, in it, you're right. Relationship, there is. There is right? a difference because the world has never bent the knee. No. They've never yielded themselves and no. said, "I'm going to follow you." No. The, the people, Israel in this instance and the church have done that. They have, we have said in the church in the 21st century, we've said, if we're part of the church, you say, I'm going to follow you. You're my God, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to do what you say. I'm, I'm recognizing your authority over me in Israel. They've done that too at Mount Sinai. In, in, in this situation, there weren't people from the outside saying, you know, well, I'm part of Israel and look at me. And in the church today, there are people that say I'm part of the church and aren't at all. Because they're nowhere close to what it, what the church is supposed to look like. Well, I would say I would say that that's exactly what's going on in Israel. You've got you've got the these people that are supposedly Israel. They're supposedly party to the covenant, but yet they're doubting God, and they they're they're uh, blaspheming Him, and they're uh, leading people in rebellion. So I would say that's the that's the exact parallel. That is okay. exactly what you okay. have. You have it back then. You have it today. It's always existed. God would say it this way. There's always a remnant. Yeah. I'm going to save the remnant, yeah. right? And, and in this and he, case... And he does say that. Yeah. And in this case, the remnant is going to be their children, right? Because these this generation is going to continue in rebellion. They're all going to die uh, in the wilderness. You think that, that's uh, probably true today, too? Oh, yeah. going to save the remnant? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He will save the true church. Yeah. There's the, the Look, we are under, in the 21st century, uh, especially in, in the United States, we are under this really foolish... Uh, we have this really foolish popular theology that gets taught all over the place that says, if you just believe that there is a God, not follow him, not acknowledge his authority, not live under his authority, not any of those things. If you just acknowledge, if you just agree that Jesus is the son of God, you're going to be saved. And they take verses like Romans, uh, like yeah. we find in Romans 10, mm -hmm. they take that way out of context. They take John 3, 16 way out of context. And they say, well, see, all you do is have to believe. Believe does not mean agree. It's a deeper thing than agree. Because these people certainly believe there is a God. They're watching him do things. They believe it. They all agree that there's a God. But they don't believe it in the sense of following. When we get to the part where they go to the to the promised land and go in and can't, then we can't come back. We're going to go look at a place in Hebrews that says exactly that. Yeah. So faith is more than just a mental acknowledgement, and mm -hmm. that and that has been very popular uh, in Protestantism for a very long time. That yeah. faith ultimately, belief ultimately, is just an agreement. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just not true. And you can easily see it. Jesus says things like pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus says things like in Matthew chapter 7, at the end there're going to be people who come to him and say, "Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name?" and he's going to say, "What? Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness." So there's more to it. Our obligation as Christians is not just to say Jesus is Lord. Our obligation to Christians is to live yeah. As if Jesus is Lord, yeah, and that gets totally washed saying away. Saying it, saying it by itself doesn't mean anything. Nike, I think Nike said it best: "Talk is cheap." Yeah, talk is cheap. You do this all day long. Yeah, and that's what that's what we have today. We have a lot of people who say, "Well, I'm in the church and I believe in Jesus." The walk costs. Yeah, that's the walk right. Cost. Let's why don't we start reading some of this? Yeah. All right.
This is about Mo, this is about Miriam and Aaron. These are his brother and sister, Moses. While they were at Hazroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, "Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't He spoken through us too?" But the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person oh, on hold earth. Hold on a second. Usually oh. we're reading from the same translation. I, I've, I've got my wife's Bible. I, I don't. What, have, what translation? It's a. Uh, it is the. Uh, uh, the New Living Translation. Okay, so this is a different translation. Mm -hmm. we, we've got the NIV up on the screen. You're yeah. reading from the NLT. Why don't you read yours? Okay, right. let me go ahead and start over. This you is 12.1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Racism has been around for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Oof, that's a scary... That You want to talk about scary stuff? That right there. Um, and of course, notice all throughout, if you're looking at this uh, on the online or if you're following in your Bible, this is likely capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Covenant, the covenant name of God. Our yeah. covenant God has heard this, right? Uh, now, I love verse 3. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Um, you know, I, I believe, I'm going to take a take a second real quick to talk about this, but I believe that, that Moses wrote the law. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe he wrote this. So we need to understand, and we're going to see it heavily in Deuteronomy. We're going to see it crystal clear in Deuteronomy that Moses received the law on Mount Sinai. Moses communicated the law, right, to the people. Moses did not write everything. And we see within, even within the text, that sometimes Joshua is writing things down. Mm -hmm. This is from God, but he, we Moses really... Moses tells him at one point to write this stuff down. That's right. And so we need to get off, uh, for some reason, uh, very conservative people who are good Christians and love the Lord have decided that because of a verse in the New Testament, that means Moses personally wrote all of this down. Ah, uh, that's going to be really problematic when we get to Deuteronomy. When we start reading Deuteronomy, it's almost exactly like Ecclesiastes. There's a narrator. Mm -hmm. There's two different voices mm -hmm. all throughout Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have to acknowledge that. Not only that, but Moses died. In Deuteronomy, it becomes real clear because Moses died on this side of the river. Okay? Deuteronomy is written from the perspective of the other side of the river. Because mm -hmm. he'll say, he'll go, oh, you know, when they were on that side of the river, the narrator will. Mm -hmm. So when is this being written? We've, we've taken this, this verse in the New Testament where Jesus acknowledges the law and the prophets came through Moses. That's, that's true. The I law think, did. I think what you have to get to at some point is, is to realize that it doesn't really matter who, who the pen was. It's who's, who's wielding the pen. Well, and, that, and that was always God. Absolutely. And we see all throughout the, the Old Testament in the law, we see areas where later edits were made especially when it comes to explaining geography. We've already seen that in Exodus, where they've said things like, oh, well, this was like over here. Well, who put that in? Did Moses put that in? Or is that a later thing they put in so that the people then could understand where this stuff was going on? We see this stuff throughout the Old Testament, guys. And that's okay. We shouldn't be concerned about it because the text that Jesus got is very similar to the one that we have today. Yeah. And Jesus said, hey, this is the law and the prophets, and this is good. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's okay. We yeah. don't have to be afraid yeah. of what's Absolutely. in our Bible. Absolutely. But here's but here's why I bring this up. Here's why I bring this up. Most people don't want to talk about this. 
Most people don't want to point this out. And then our kids grow up and they go to college classes where college professors who are atheists and hate Christianity know all these things. Yeah. And they point these things out to our kids. They point these things out to our people. And it causes them to doubt. And it causes them to doubt. And it's like, well, my, my preacher, my elder, my pastor, they never told me anything about this. Well, and why don't we? Because mm -hmm. we're scared. Because you know what? For what I just said, Dan, there are people who would accuse me of being a false teacher. Literally just pointing out, look at what this says. Now, Moses was a very humble man. Did Moses write that? Seriously? So Moses himself is writing about himself in the third person? That's how this worked? Are we out of our minds here? Come on, man. In the, in the words of, uh, of our esteemed president, Joe Biden, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Come on. That's, come on. That's ridiculous. Mm. I can read. Right. I don't. This, it's obvious what happened here. Further, the text itself tells us Joshua was writing all this stuff yeah. down. Yeah. So did Moses write some of it? Certainly he did. I think did Joshua write some of it. I Certainly. think in the New Testament, there's a lot of stuff that Paul wrote that he didn't write. Oh, uh, yeah. So he absolutely had scribes. He had, scri he had people. He, had scribes. he was dictating them. Moses maybe been dictated. And this guy maybe put this in because God inspired them to put it. God was a, was completely, totally. That's what it says in First Peter. It says that these prophets longed absolutely. to understand what they were writing. They didn't understand what they were absolutely. writing. You know, guys were writing stuff down. They looked at it and said, I don't know what that. But the power of the spirit moving them. That's they right. knew they couldn't change it. This is God's. This is part of God's work. This is God working. Absolutely. The fact that Moses and Joshua and, and maybe some editors came in and did some stuff. That's all okay. You know, God is good. You know, the one thing that when I sit down with someone, the first thing we have to do is we have to just, we have to we have to set in stone that God is real mm -hmm. and that He wrote this book. Because if either one of those two, I don't want to get in an argument with you. Yeah. I don't want to argue with you about the reality of God. I don't want to argue about the, the authenticity of the book. Well, and if, if you want to argue about the authenticity of the book, you can come talk to me about it. Yeah. Because that's the st I start there all the time. But, but you know, and I, and I look at these people and I say, look, we're not going to argue about this stuff. We already acknowledge. You already said you believe that this is God's word. I believe this is God's word. Who wrote it? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care who pinned this, who pinned that. I'm not listening to what some guy tell me that, well, Moses wrote all this. Well, you know, and, maybe he did. And I, I'm just going to say, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I appreciate that perspective 100%. I am well versed in the history of this book. I know you are. And so if people want to talk about that and they want to quibble about it, then we can talk about it. We can quibble about it. I just because I I'm well, that's that's what I've trained in. Oh. I, I know how this book came to be, the evidence that we have for it. I've and looked guys, at the original scrolls. We a can a guy that's done that and he's still sitting where he's sitting means he buys it. Oh, yeah. Means he buys it. Yeah. 100%. So, well, well okay, what, so that's done. I just wanted we, to throw we got that, that in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll bring we'll pull that back up in Deuteronomy when we start. We pulled Deuteronomy. it up every, uh, for for about a month here. We pulled it up two or three times already. So, yeah. uh, but got we'll, got to pull it up, man. You got to yeah, talk. Yeah, hey, I'm I'm, I'm All good. right. So, verse 4. At once the Lord said to Moses. No, no, no. I want to go back to the Cushite woman. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, explain to them what that what they're mad about. Yeah, so she's not an Israelite. She's a she's a Cushite. So, if you'll recall, Moses left Zipporah. Egypt. Yeah. He left Egypt. And went he to Midian. Went to Midian. Mm -hmm. And there he married Jephthah's daughter, who apparently is a Cushite. Yeah. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head how the where the Cushite woman. They don't line acknowledge that the Cushite woman was any part of any of the tribes. Right. Well, technically she's I mean, technically speaking, she's not. Yeah. Right? So she's not an Israelite. She is. 
Because she's married to Moses. Right. So, look, are they technically correct that she is not of Israel? Yes. Yeah. Are they technically wrong because now she's married to Moses? Of course. But it has nothing to do with this woman. No. It has nothing no. to do with this it, foreigner. And we'll see that. Yeah. We'll this, see. This is, they, they are using and abusing this foreign woman to attack Moses. And, they don't and, care and about you look her. At, and you look at their, the, read them verse two again. What What sure. is it? They, uh, has the Lord spoken only through See, Moses? Hey, he's used us too. We're just as important as Moses is. And that's what this is really about. How arrogant. The Cushite woman is just an excuse. You know, one of the things that God is going to constantly point out in his law is that Israel is responsible for taking care of foreigners. Don't we, when we get mad at each other, don't we bring up things a lot of times that don't have nothing to do with nothing? Mm-hmm. We all do that. That's what they're doing. Yeah, it's a means to an end. Yeah. It's a disgusting means to an end. But that's what we all do. I mean, think about this poor woman. You know, she's, you know, her father-in-law has left. She's here with Moses. You know, there's been some tension there because when he was heading back to Egypt, you know, she had to circumcise the kids and throw the, the, the foreskin at his feet. And, you know, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. So, you know, there's some tension here. Now he's got all these people. He's trying to take through the wilderness, and they're they they they've fought him every step of the way, basically. And when you have a guy with a with a distinct amount of humility, mm. there are people that are going to abuse him. Yeah, people that have no humility, that are arrogant and full of themselves, will step on the people that they deem as weak. Yeah, you get a, a humble individual in high school or in junior high school. And see what happens to them. Yeah. Well, our, our society does not, no longer has any respect for humility. No. Our society no longer has any respect for meekness. And you see that because they people deem think, it as weak. Yeah. People, people think meekness is weakness and meekness. Uh, I, I love the flavor of the word that Peterson, Jordan Peterson brought out uh, on one of his, when he was talking about this, uh, meekness is ultimately that word, the root of it in the Greek is power under control or the decision to keep your sword sheathed. And it takes a lot of character. It takes a lot of self-control. It takes a lot of power when someone is disrespecting you, spitting in your face, or as Jesus would say on the Sermon on the Mount, your brother slaps you across the face. That's an act of disrespect. People think that that's an act of like someone trying yeah. to come and kill yeah. you. No, yeah. it's it's someone disrespecting yeah. you. And to, to decide to turn the other cheek, to decide to keep your sword in its sheath, to decide not to kill the fool for being a fool takes a lot of self-control and power and yeah. our society no longer respects that yeah um well, just, look at look at what happened look yeah read, read what happens to so verse four at once the lord said to moses aaron and miriam come out to the tent of meeting all three of you i, I picture this is like uh when i'm at home and we're our, our bedroom is right off the kitchen and our children are responsible for cleaning up the kitchen and doing the dishes and doing all that. And we can sometimes we're in our bedroom and we can hear them through the door and they're bickering and fighting and arguing. And then you'll, they'll, they'll, it'll be silent. They'll be bickering and fighting. And then I'll say, Scott, Isabel, Allison, get in here. Or Scott, Gabriel, get in here. And immediately the bickering stops, the fighting stops. And it's just real quiet. Yeah. And I can tell that they're looking around going, oh, was it, did dad really just say that? Oh, did he really hear did, us? Did he really hear, did he hear us? us? Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, and, and, you, and when you're young and, you're li and you're, you, you don't think, well, we're not talking that loud. They really right. can't hear us. Yeah, they really can't hear us. The they're door is the closed. They're not in the room. Yeah. They're obviously, you know, obviously nobody can hear us, right? We act like a bunch of children, don't we? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So picture it, picture it, picture it. They're saying this like right next 
to the tent of meeting and a pillar of fire. Like, and they're saying it right next to it, right? Like, these people have just, they, all these other people have just died with the, the quail in between their teeth. All these dead people lying around, pillar of fire. Ah, oh, that Moses and his Cushite wife. Like, <laughs> hey, you know, maybe, 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 just maybe not say things, right? Just stop talking around this area. Anyway, so they, they don't understand it. Once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went sheepishly out to the tent of meeting. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent. I, and I want to I want to make sure we're not missing this, okay? Because this is, this is a big deal. This is Jesus, okay? Mm -hmm. Because watch what happens here. It doesn't say that Lord came over in a pillar of cloud and spoke from the pillar of cloud. That's not what it says. Mm -hmm. It personifies the Lord. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. So he stood there. This isn't he stood in the cloud. He came out of the cloud and stood there. Whenever we see a physical manifestation of the Lord. Understand the Lord is omnipotent, omnipresent. He is God. He is not his creation. He is bigger than his creation. That's the Father. John would say in 1 John, no man has ever seen the Father, right? Is it 1 John or, or the Gospel of John? He says it. I can't recall. Um, what now? What, what's it the text? Where John says, uh, no one has ever seen the Father but the Son. That's 1 John, that I believe, yeah. Is it First John or the Gospel of John? That's the Gospel of John. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm getting confused where it's at. But the point is this. No one has ever seen the Father. They've only ever seen the Son. So anytime you see these physical manifestations, we see it with Abraham, where the Lord leads Abraham out and shows him the stars in the sky. We see it in places like the three visitors who come through on their way to, in Genesis, on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. And Whenever one stays we with see, Abraham. Mm -hmm. Right. Joshua and the commander of the army of the Lord standing before him, right? Whenever we see a physical manifestation of the Lord, we ought to automatically be thinking Jesus. Because this is what John tells us right in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was yep. in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. John is taking these yep. physical manifestations and saying... That's Jesus yeah. in his gospel. Yeah. So just be aware of that. Yeah. This is this is not the cloud. This is a physical manifestation of the Lord standing in the tent of meeting saying, you three, come here. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. Oh, man, terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Okay, so listen to my words, he says. So now this is the Lord laying it down. When there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? <laughs> um, do your sons know which one of them is, their fa is your favorite? No, they don't. No, I don't have a favorite. Uh, I was wondering if you were gonna no, if you I were gonna say that. I'm going. What are yeah. you talking about? No, no, I, I don't have a favorite. I have a favorite. Have a Fair favorite. enough. Fair enough. God has favorites. Mm -hmm. That's what He just said here. Mm -hmm. Moses is my favorite. Yeah. He is the one I have chosen to speak through. Mm -hmm. That's my decision to make. I'm the father. So maybe not looking at it as a favorite, but do you have? Do you in with your sons? Do you have? Do you have a son that is responsible for certain tasks? Yes. Okay, 
So, and I know what that task is. Right. And so if your other sons buck up and interfere, they're going to get told down, but they, aren't but they? But they won't. But they won't because they already know the pecking order. In this task... No, it's not a, no, it's not a pecking on, order. It is. In that task. In that task. Okay. If, for example, if... Um, man, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to come up with an example. If, well, let me put this. All right. In my family, Mark has a special talent. Paul has a special talent. Kevin has a special talent. The other guys realize the talent that each one has. You know, Mark's talent is specific. Where Paul, Paul will call him, and say, "Go, don't even, don't even include me." You know, Mark will end up at his house doing something that is in regard to his talent. Right. Kevin will get a call. Hey, I need. Can you help me with this? Can we do this? And and you know, and that kind. Of, so each one of them knows their talent. They, I guess you say they know their place, but that's not. I don't like that. That idea, but just they know what their talent is, and and yeah. and the rest of them know. They don't step on each other. Yeah, you know, that's Aaron and Miriam. Yeah, they don't realize that that the, that Moses' talent is God given, and God is working hand in hand with him. He is the favorite in the task. In the task, yes. Okay, this I'll, is, this is right. so, and that's where I was yeah. going with it. I was playing with the favorite thing. I yeah. was just I'm, I'm pointing something out here, but. You were trying to trap me. A little bit, maybe. He's got to, I got to keep him on his toes. Um, but seriously, though, you know, Moses is the one who's chosen for this task, mm -hmm. right? My oldest son, when my wife can't be here, like this last Sunday, my wife couldn't be here. The baby kept her up all night, kept me up all night, mm -hmm. but she doesn't have a job to do Sunday morning. I do. So she gets to stay home. And I told her that. I said, you need to stay home. I'm going to leave the littles with you. You're going to stay home and, and take care of them. And I'm going to bring Scott, Isabel, and Gabriel because they're older. And so they can follow directions. So I brought those three with me and I looked at Scott and I said, you take them over there, you get them fed and you get them to their class. You're in charge. And I looked at the other two and I said, if you don't do what he says, what's going to happen? And they're like, oh no, we know what's going on. He's in charge. We're going to listen to him. And so I set him over the other two. And whenever my wife can't be there, that's his responsibility. Mm -hmm. And he's responsible. He's He's been told, you're not responsible for mm -hmm. correcting them. You tell them once. If they don't listen, now then I understand you why me. he said what he did to me. Why? What did he say? Uh, Allison spilled some milk. She was getting her cereal, spilled some milk. And she was over with the milk, and she was pouring into Gabriel's bowl. And I said, who did this? And Scott immediately said, oh, she did it, but it was on an accident. I said, that's fine, but she's going to clean it up. Right, yeah. And and she kind of looked around like, what? And I said, come on, I'll get you some paper towels. I got her some paper towels. I said, here, you clean it up like that. But but the way Scott said it was, oh, yeah, she did it, but it was on accident. Hey, fine. Yeah, because he's got... Cause because he's, he's, got he's in charge. He's in charge, right. he's, I now understand why he yeah. said it the way he did. So whenever Jess can't be there, I put my, son, my oldest son in mm -hmm. charge. So... It's the same thing. It's spheres of influence yeah. and who's responsible. Mm -hmm. Moses is the one that God has chosen to be responsible. Mm -hmm. And it's these two, Miriam and, and uh, Aaron, are speaking up against Moses. And this isn't really the first time that I think, Aaron's... I think, you know, you know I, I, maybe we end with this, okay? Okay. Because we're getting short on time. But, oh. uh, I think it works the same way in the church. Okay. Okay. God has, has deemed specific people sure. with his with specific tasks. Oh, absolutely. Okay. You're, you are his, the product of his handling. Mm -hmm. You are, you know, I have to be very careful criticizing what you might do. Okay. Gently encouraging leading. And it works the same with an elder. 
or even with a deacon. I was gonna, I was going to say the clearer example there in the my clearer, mind is the elder. Yeah, I understand that, but but you know I think when we understand the relevance of the connection between people and and the task at hand, yeah, I think we we're very careful then being critical and stepping into a sewer hole that these two step into. Well, and I think not only I think the I think the textual clear example parallel to the new testament would be an eldership yes but i, I want to cap i want to capitalize on what you just said because i believe that to be true um god has given gifts we just spent a whole summer we talking spent a whole about summer this. On. god has given people gifts and when they're using their gifts for the benefit of the church get out of their way Yes. And do not throw a stumbling and block. Be careful criticizing really people careful. that you don't yeah, know nothing absolutely. about what's going on with them. We well, you know we have we have a lady right now who's overseeing the work in the Rafa room. Mm -hmm. You know, she has said, Hey, I'm gonna do this, yep. I'm gonna run with this, mm -hmm. and, and she's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. We wanna make sure that we can enable her as much as we can mm -hmm. and support her as much as she can in doing what she's doing. And we have a lot of people around here. You know, we have we have every And we have a lot of people that are, have stepped up and are helping. And we do, and yeah. it's great. You know, we have that elders, deacons, and ministry leaders meeting. Those ministry leaders and those deacons are called to do a task. They're they're doing tasks for the Lord and they have authority in it. And it's not right we, what you're saying. We find so much, so many times in our society that we've tapped into the mindset that I don't necessarily understand what you're doing, but I'm going to be critical anyway because I don't think you're doing it right. And we bring that in the church, and God says, stop it. Stop it. Absolutely. Stop it. Yeah. It doesn't promote unity. It doesn't promote peace. That's not peacefulness. That's not yeah. unification. Well, That's conflict. And what are you supposed to do? If you have a problem with somebody, you're, you supposed, know, to go to them. you're supposed to go to them. In love. In love. And you're supposed to, because you know what you find? I, I have found that I don't always, I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't understand why people do what they do. I don't understand. I don't understand. It seems to me to be silly. But then I, I find that when I sit down and talk to that person that I have that presupposition about, that, that thought about, when I sit down and talk to them and find out why they're doing what they're doing, man, it makes a whole lot of sense. What I find is, is there's grow, a lot growing in the Lord is a long-term occupation. Oh, yeah. And you better step out of people's way and let them grow. And let God grow them because I'm, they're they're not my children. It's not my children. You're, it was not my place to jump your daughter. I'm going to show her how to clean it up. Here you go. Here's some paper towels. Because I said you need to get some paper towels. And she went in the kitchen. She's looking like I'm lost. He said, Come here. Let me show you right here. Get two or three of them because you're going to need a few. And I said, but it's not my place to discipline her. Sure. It's not my child. Didn't need to be disciplined. No. As far as I was concerned, she needed to be showed how to clean it up. You know, people make mistakes. They mess up, you know, so, you know, and, uh, but, you know, we, we tend to get in the place of, I want to discipline God's children. What? Do you, what? Let God do that. Now, there's certain instances where we are commanded to do certain things within, within the framework of the church. And, and yeah, we need to do that. But man, sometimes we're stepping in people's lives. We don't need to be stepping in at all. Well, I mean, part of it has to do with how do you look at that other person and understanding that we're all on the same side. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're all on the same side here. Don't doubt your brother or sister. Yeah. You know, I get it from the pulpit and I say it quite often. I just presume that everybody's doing the right thing. Yeah. I don't I may not understand why you're doing what you're doing, and I may not even like what doing what you're mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. But before I before I jump in the middle of it, and I'm not perfect at it, but before I jump in the middle of it and say this is what it ought to be, I want I need to come talk to you to find out yeah. what, what's going on. You need to find out what's going on. So, and, and guys, you need to do that in your own families. 
You know, don't assume you know what's going on well, until and, you talk to someone. And we're going to see there's going to be a rebellion that's going to pop up that. Oh, yeah. That that's they, they do not do that. They just decide based on. Well, their they don't do that. They don't do that here. They don't do it here. Moses goes to bat for them. It's, it's going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem that's going to consistently yeah. pop yeah. up yeah. in the rebellion. Let's pray. All right. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this text to help us to understand how, uh, how difficult it can be sometimes and how uh, un- unhealthy it can be to be in rebellion to you and to your people. Father, we pray your blessings upon us as we move forward, striving, Father, to be the people we're supposed to be. Father, help us to, to be patient, be compassionate, be empathetic with, the, with your children as you work with them and as you grow them and as you help them to be the, the force in the, in the body that they need to be. Thank you, Father, for that. And thank you for working in our lives as we, as we've, as we strive many times to stay away from being rebellious ourselves. We pray, Father, that you continue to be patient with us and bless us as we move forward. Thank you, Father, for this text, and thank you for these folks in this text that taught us so much today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.